I've long held the stance that telling our stories can lead to powerful healing, as just so many of us hold on to our stories in a way that festers and breeds negative and debilitating emotions. Learning to tell your story is a way to stop letting that story have power over you and instead harness the power so that you can use that story for something that is good and positive. But what does it look like if you bring humor into the mix? I was so fascinated by this concept when I recently met my guest today, Pasha Marlowe, as she weaves comedy and humor into her work as a holistic healer and coach and, and, and therapist. Pasha Marlowe runs the wildly popular series called Roar, which is a group coaching program that allows women to share their stories, reveal their trauma, and heal their pain through the vein of laughter. Of course, I wanted to dig in more as I learned about Pasha, so I invited her on the show today to get her own inside story on where this idea to incorporate humor actually came from. And I think you will be really impressed as she shares her own story through trauma and pain to reveal the lighter side of life. And in that process, shines a light in the darkness. You're going to love this conversation with Pasha. So let's get into today's episode with Pasha Marlowe. Hi, I'm April Adams Pertwee. I'm your host of the Inside Story podcast. I've been telling people stories my entire adult life as a broadcast journalist, video producer, and digital storyteller. These days, you can find me at Light Beamers, where I'm building a community of women who are ready to step into their brave by sharing their story with the world. On the Inside Story podcast, I'm bringing you some of the best stories I'm discovering from both the women inside of my community, as well as from around the streets of the internet. Plus, I'm digging deep to share some of my own stories with you along the way. My hope is that these stories will help encourage you to examine your own story so that you can share it with other people. I have a motto at Light Beamers. When we share our stories, we shine a light. So with that in mind, let's get down to business today and share the light found in this episode. Pasha, welcome, welcome, welcome to the Inside Story. I know this is going to be an awesome conversation full of lots of good storytelling and um, definitely some laughter because you are all about sharing stories through the medium of humor, which I find so fascinating. And I'm really excited to dig in with you today. So welcome to the show. Thank you, April. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah. So, you know, obviously I gave a little intro in the beginning, but I would I would really love to just start when we start on the inside story, hearing a little bit more about about you and particularly how did you come into this work? You know, obviously you have a background as a psychotherapist and working as a licensed therapist with families and in marriages and now really parlaying that into the coaching that you do really working primarily with women to to get them <laughs> to process their stories and even do that through humor. I'd love to know how that transition came about for you. Yes, thank you. So my master's is in marriage and family therapy, 
And while I definitely enjoyed that work, I found limitations within the structures of that career, to, and including insurance and, and other rules of the trade, that I couldn't incorporate some of the things I felt really passionately about. One of them is movement and embodied emotions. And another one is bringing in creativity and the healing arts. And so at the time in the 90s, when I started that career, I didn't feel like it was expansive enough. And so while I have the degree and I did work as a marriage and family therapist for a while, I quickly started working as a health coach and I worked with Pilates and yoga and personal training, holistic work and loved it. 2019, everything shifted because my youngest son got very sick. And we, like most people, when they go through a crisis or a trauma, we're trying to access all of our, all of our tools. Okay, let's, let's try breathing. Let's try meditating. Let's try yoga. Let's try traditional therapy. We tried everything. We even tried shamans and psych. And we just went to any length to, um, to help him heal. And in his grief and in his deep depression, which turned into suicidal ideation, he was 11 when this started, um, we were really at rock bottom and scared for his life. And it was from that grief and trauma that I started accessing humor. And I know that sounds bizarre, but it's actually through grief that a lot of comedians find their humor. And it's in those darker places that we find the edges around them that are actually quite funny. And so we started to reframe our story through the lens of humor and we started to see him heal and we started to see him lighten up in the hospital visits and the doctor's visits. And even his pain started to uh, decrease and not all laughter. There was a lot of crying still, but we started to see it shift. And, um, and that was a mindful decision on, on my part to try that. And thankfully he was, he was willing, but it was so impactful to me to watch that transformation in him and in myself too, that I started to incorporate humor into all of my work, into my personal training, into my coaching, into uh, my group coaching. It, it just, now, it, now I cannot imagine working without the lens of humor. Oh, that, you know, and this is why I love hearing other people's stories because I always find this to be true. I knew that you were a coach. I knew that you worked in storytelling and helping people process their stories of trauma with humor, but I didn't know where that came from, right? I did, I don't, we're, we've recently met each other through a mutual friend. We held a clubhouse room together and, you know, I just felt such synergy that after the conversation you and I had privately, I was like, I got to get you on the podcast because now I'm just curious about you. You know, now I just want to know where does this come from? Because I know there is a story there and I want to find out what it is. And that's really what it always comes down to is it usually is our own experiences. It's something that we have walked in life that truly does lead us into our purpose. And this is what I find. And I'm sure you see this in your work, that if we can get people to excavate that story, so much clarity comes as to what are we, what are we supposed to be doing with our life, right? Like, let this have meaning. And while I'm sure your work had meaning before, do you now feel that you're just living life on so much more purpose because of that experience and using humor into everything that you do now? 
it's not only more fun, it's, it's so much more effective and purposeful that for the last year and a half doing this work, like, I don't even want to go to sleep. I love my work so much. I have worse insomnia than before. And I wake up. And as soon as I wake up, I, I try to do the self-care thing, but I'm really anxious to get back to work because it fuels me. And it's so aligned with who I am personally and professionally that it, it just fits. And, uh, it, it's funny that it would happen, you know, 50 years later, but I love the fact that, that it was a, a kind of a calling later in life. Um, that, that gives me hope. And that gives my clients hope when they hear you could, you could change your personality at 50. And I believe that to be true because I see it in myself. I was not easy to laugh for 40 years. So these are skills that I learned skills I can teach and skills that I think are a beautiful tool for, for parents and teachers and leaders alike. Well, and coming from that psychotherapy background, there's something, there's a knowledge base that you have about how our brains work and how we can access certain pieces of ourselves through different modalities, right? Obviously, you discovered it through yoga, meditation, and other things, holistic medicine, other things that you experienced and have, it sounds like you've utilized and then there's also this piece of humor. In your own experience, when you were dealing with this with your son and having this, this big event of pain and desperation in your family, when did that idea of like, oh, I've tried everything else. I've tried the shamans. I've tried this. I've tried that. We've tried everything. When did humor, when did the light bulb come on that, okay, let's try humor? And did you immediately know how to do that? Because I'm thinking, if I had that experience, I would not know how to find humor in that moment. I would not know how to start accessing it. So please, I'd love to know how that came to you and how you processed it. It came to me on the bathroom floor at Boston Children's Hospital is where it came to me. I was so distraught when they told me that my son could likely be in chronic pain with chronic illness for the rest of his life. They didn't offer us a whole lot of hope. I excused myself from the room um, and went into the bathroom so he wouldn't absorb my pain. And I, I cried. And I don't know how I remembered this, but I was reading not too far uh, or not too long before uh, Victor Frankl's A Search, Man's Search for Meeting, which is, which is about the Holocaust. And um, I wasn't thinking about it at the time, but there was a passage in that book about that the people who survived the Holocaust knew how to laugh together or could still laugh together in community. And I filed it in the back of my head and it came out <laughs> at the perfect moment. I realized that, that that's possibly a way out that we hadn't tried before. And that it was, it felt like the opposite of what we were going through. We were in this grief and trauma and fear place. And I said, what would it look like? What would I look like if I wasn't in this place? What could we be doing? What would we be doing? We'd be playing. We'd be playing outside again. We'd be playing games again. We'd be laughing again. And it was so opposite from what we were doing that I was trying to find a path to get to that place that I wanted to be. And I went online. This is after the appointment and after the bathroom incident, but I went online and I typed in, it might've been comedy or humor from trauma. And amazingly, what comes up are these brilliant comedians who the two I'm thinking of most are Hannah Gadsby, who has a brilliant Netflix special uh, called Nanette, and another one she did, Douglas, about the healing aspects of humor and about trauma and about sexual shame, like heavy issues. 
turned into a stand-up comedy routine. And the other comedian who really touched my heart and moved me is Tignataro, who talked about um, how she made it through breast cancer through her comedy and the loss of her mother. And they were going to some really dark places and not ignoring that, not ignoring the pain and the darkness, but almost laughing around it and finding the humor in it. And I thought that was really interesting. And I just started to do little things like let's play a practical joke on each other once a day. And I mean, an 11 year old boy thought this is awesome. So he would put um, dishwasher liquid on, um, on my toothbrush. He would duct tape the toilet closed. He had so much fun. And so I would have him do that at the end of the day. Um, so he's something to look forward to. And usually he would go to bed laughing on the practical joke date. And that was a very different experience than any, any other night. Cause usually he went to bed crying. So we started the small shifts and then we started playing with words. And then we said, how can we make going to the hospital funny? And we started going into the hospital with that thought in mind. And before when we'd get upset or frustrated by the lack of bedside manner or the terrible decor or the horrible things they were showing on the on the news in the waiting room, anything, or how cold it is in the room and they give you the paper gowns and you're sitting there freezing and they give you no heads up on how long they'll be and it could be an hour, but you're going to sit there and freeze. And we said, how bad could this be? And then we're like, how can we make this worse? How can we make this medicine taste worse? What can we put in this medicine to make it taste even worse? Making fun of how awful it was. And and then we'd laugh and the doctors would come in and we realized, uh-oh, because now they see us laughing. And and you know, we actually then we actually had to put on the face of, no, he's in pain all the time, and this is serious, and you need to help us. So we need to, you know, don't, don't just look at our laughter. This is our, this is how we're getting through. The defense mechanism. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so how, how long would you say before you started to notice a change in your son by implementing even these small shifts? A week. I mean, it was so quick. It was so quick. He went, it's not all the time that he, you know, there were still moments where he had the, the pain and the depression and the fears, but woven in there were the laughter exercises and the fun. And so it just took the heaviness out of it. And so it was, it was very quick and it was that quick for me as well. I mean, I was doing it for him and then I ended up benefiting from it because I was watching more comedy. I was researching comedy techniques and comedy writing and improv. And I just started absorbing myself into this new space and it's enlightening uh, physically and emotionally. So it was really transformative. And then I had to weep my work because I'm an entrepreneur and I was thinking, okay, I can't not tell people about this because it saved our lives, you know? Totally. Literally. Yes, absolutely. And so when you started incorporating this into your work and tell us a little bit about like what you, what your coaching is before you brought humor into it. And then obviously what it looks like today. It was always based in trauma. I'm, I've had a lot of trauma in my life, so I feel comfortable talking to, about trauma and I feel very comfortable holding that safe, empathetic space for women to talk about the trauma. So I definitely did that as a marriage and family therapist and as a holistic personal trainer, but it started to transform. Like we, we're, we're acknowledging the trauma and we're telling our stories of trauma, 
but we're not telling them in the same way we always tell them. We're not telling them with the same sense of heaviness or uh, victimhood or blaming or sadness or grief or anger. We're now we're talking about them. We're telling our stories, but then we're like around the edges and the margins of that story. What was ridiculous or ironic or the timing was so bad maybe even like it could be just so bad it's funny like 2020 is now funny it was so bad it's funny and I think that comes up in our society a lot right we just start to release the tension we kind of have to laugh about some of the stuff now there's a time and perspective between the trauma and the comedy and that depends on the trauma obviously but that's different for everybody um, Tig Notaro, the co- comedian I talked about, she got the call that she had cancer. She went on stage that night. She says, hi, my name is Tig Notaro. I have cancer. And then she's like, nobody else knows but you. And she was like, announcing it on stage, which was brave. That was after practice in her life of being able to weave in the comedy. I tell people all the time in my program, Roar With Laughter, that if they're going through a crisis or trauma, that's not necessarily, currently, that's not necessarily the story that they want to weave humor into right now. Maybe we something that's not as emotionally charged just to practice it. And then if it feels in integrity, then we could work on that one. But yeah, that's a process very dependent upon the person and their tolerance to it. So yeah. Well, you know, in preparation for this interview, I went to your site and looked at some of these videos and some of your social media stuff that you put out there. And knowing that you deal with a lot of trauma and that you're coaching through trauma, and then I see these videos of you guys like in your session and and, and everything that's happening. And there's all of this, it's like, looking at it, it looks like everyone's having the best time of their lives or laughing and they're making funny faces at the camera and, you know, like all of these really hysterical kind of crazy things, you know, diving deeper in. If I were actually in on one of these sessions, I know of the types of stories that are being told and it runs the gamut. I mean, I hear these stories too, as someone who has made a career telling people stories. I say it all the time. People sometimes sit down with me and say, I don't want to scare you by telling you my story or, you know, I don't want to shock you. And I always say, I'm pretty much have heard everything at this point and you really can't scare me or shock me. So let's just get that out of the way, right? Because these stories are often pretty extraordinary, especially when you're dealing with trauma, sexual abuse and, you know, like all kinds of things that happen in people's childhood, molestation and depravity. Just, I mean, and like you mentioned, you know, confusion around sexual orientation and just like, it it just runs all kinds of, of scenes. It's just, the stories are pretty varied, but at the center of it all, right? It doesn't matter what the story is. Somebody has trauma is trauma is trauma is trauma. It's all the same. Agreed. And so can you talk a little bit about in your work and in the in the programs that you do, outside of the humor, obviously, just how you help people through processing that trauma by just holding the space for them to share the story? Because I do find the storytelling piece to be so important. Absolutely. And I call this trauma rupture, rupture to rapture. And ROAR is actually an acronym. Those are the two R's on the bookends. So what we do is we hold space for each other. We listen to the stories. We don't try to fix them. It's a small group of women that I always work with. And 
we allow that person to have their their space and their time to tell the story as much as they want to. And then we start to just ask ourselves about other radical truths that we that we might need to start to say. What else is stuck in our body? What other secrets or shame or stories are stuck in our body? And where do we hold tension in our body? And where do we hold pain? And is that tension and pain somehow related to our stories or the stories that we aren't saying out loud? And I find there's a lot of chronic throat pain and pelvic pain, pelvic pain often with um, some sexual trauma, but throat pain of things that aren't like truths not being told out loud. And so we talk about that. And that's how I bring the embodied emotions into the work. And we do anything from laughing to screaming and roaring and chanting and moving and singing. And so we start to release some of that. And then we start to move into heroic self-care and love because I mostly work with middle-aged women. And because of all the traumas, on top of life and aging, it's hard to find that deep self love. And so we definitely spend a lot of time on that. And then we move into let pleasure be the measure. Like, what do we actually like? What brings us joy? What lights us up? What do we do for fun? Not our kids, not with our partners. Like, what do we like? What do we like to eat? What do we like to wear? What do we like to play? And it's often the hardest part, the whole process. Like, what do I do for fun? They have no idea. They go blank. Yeah. And then they're like, who am I if I'm not a mom or me as, you know, a a coach or whatever it is? Like, what do I like for fun? Oh, I like my work. I like my kids. That's fun. And they get outside of that. And really like deer in the headlights, kind of like, I never, nobody's ever asked me that. I don't even know. And it becomes really the, the, uh, I guess, crux of the whole program is like, what do we want out of our life? What do we like? How do we want to serve ourselves and others? And what story needs to be told that gets us to that place? And can we do it through humor and have fun, you know, processing all this? Yeah, I think you hit something right there that I know that I have seen too in working with women is that piece about what do you like to do? Like what makes you happy? Not like I can remember in a a particular client that I had who was coming through a group program that is really designed to help women with their business strategy, learning how to get visible, sharing their story, building that piece of their business. And this one woman in particular, who was a mom working a full-time job and was really looking and hoping to explore and expand and grow her network marketing business. She was a representative for a network marketing company and she could not get that business off the ground. I mean, she was just really stuck. And it wasn't that the business wasn't viable and it wasn't that she couldn't go out there and do it, but it just was that her authentic self was not coming through and we could really sense that. So as we started digging in with her a little bit more, we were trying to pull that out of her, like what trying to discover other pieces of her besides just who are you as a network marketer, right? Like that's not really what's going to attract attract your audience. And so that was some of the things that, I asked her was, what do you like to do on a day off? What's your favorite food? What's your favorite restaurant? And I gave her like a list of things to just ask her because I was just trying to figure out what makes this woman tick because those are the stories we need to go tell more of to help her to connect with her audience so that she could get her business off the ground. And she literally, we were on Zoom and just looked like 
what I was asking her to explore was so foreign. She's like, I don't know what my favorite restaurant is. We just go wherever the kids want to go. I've never been asked that. No one has ever asked me what my favorite restaurant is because, you know, like even her husband wasn't asking her, what did you want? It was such a revelation to her that she ended up putting her business on hold. She ended up like, I got to go and figure this out because it, it became so painfully aware to her, to, for her that that was a huge missing piece. And I think a lot of women out there, if you're listening, and I know you are, you, I would encourage you, and I know Pasha would encourage you too, to really ask yourself those questions. Because if you don't know those pieces, if you don't know the answers to those questions, this would be a really great place for you to dig in to pull out pieces of your own story that are super relevant to you and only you. It's not about what your husband wants. It's not about what your kids like. It's not about what everyone else does. It's like, what do you really enjoy doing? And what is your favorite thing? And what type of foods do you like to eat? And how often do you actually give yourself permission to actually enjoy those things? And I would encourage people as much as space and time and safety allow right now in our world to get away from the home to figure this out. Even if it's a day, I know we can't go into coffee shops and sit there as much as we used to be able to, if you can find an Airbnb and make it a weekend, even better. Because as soon as you step away, you don't have the responsibilities of the day-to-day life and nobody's telling you what they want to eat, they want to wear. Then all of a sudden you're like, oh, this is what I do when I'm by my, it turns out I eat a lot of bread when I'm by myself and I don't it turns out that I don't really like those. You know, we start to realize things. Then we start to witness ourselves. Oh, this is what I watch on t- television when nobody else is around. My appetite is actually different or or whatever. And we start to notice things. So it's definitely easier away. But if you can't get away, my other tip would be to, even if it's 10 or 15 minutes, wake up just a little bit before your family wakes up, before everything happens and have an affair with yourself and like wine and dine yourself in your head at least. And like write down the things that you would love to do, you know, in, in self worship, what you would make for yourself for dinner. What kind of flowers would you buy yourself? I say this, like you could put on nice underwear, even if nobody's going to see it, right. You know, you're wearing the nice underwear. So there's little things we can do to be better for ourselves and to bring those moments of pleasure in. You can sprinkle pleasure into the worst of days. You know, I have challenging days and every single morning, I know this isn't on video, but I pick some colorful earring that's usually a little oversized because it reminds me that there is still play and joy and desire and pleasure and all these things still exist even if I'm cleaning toilets or whatever I'm doing. Yeah. Well, you know, you uh, spoke my language right there around bright, colorful earrings, because that is, uh, I can't step out of my room. If I, I can be no makeup on and a ponytail, still wearing my pajamas, but you better believe I'm going to have some good earrings on, you know, like that is so true. It's so true. We have to do these little things for ourselves. If no one else gets it, it doesn't matter. It's for us. It's for us. So I love that you share that. I know women who like, as long as they're wearing lipstick, it's going to be okay. You know, whatever it is, you know, it could be anything, but find the thing that, that makes sense for you. 
Yeah. So I'd love to know once these women come through your program and they really do start to express their stories and themselves and what they're feeling through humor, through those kind of hard edges of humor, how do you, do they go on then to like, what changes in them? Like, you know, I'd love to know, like, what are you experiencing? Like, are they getting on comedy stages or are they turning their household upside down and teaching this to their kids and their husbands. I'd love to know what you're, what you're witnessing in these other women as they evolve through the program. Yeah. It's my favorite part. We're in our sixth season. Um, one person went on to do stand-up comedy. One person went on to create her own one woman show. Most people do not graduate and decide to become professional comedians. Great living. They're, they were already coaches and activists and CEOs, and they were doing great work. What they're doing is incorporating the work of laughter and healing with humor into their work. So now they're leading more confidently. They're leading with laughter. They're making more entertaining and effective and impactful webinars and live videos. Some people have gone on to work with therapists on addictions and traumas, like taking their self-care to the next level. And then a few people have left relationships to no longer serve them. Some people have realized and declared their sexuality at the end of it. Everybody has gone on to do something brave and bold. And and even if people think they didn't, there's one woman who, as soon as the comedy program was over and the, and the live show happened, her husband had a heart attack. And she was there with him, thank goodness. She did CPR. She saved his life. And then they spent months in the hospital and rehab. In which environment? She laughed, sang, and posted videos. She's like, I would have never done that. She's like, I didn't know how to write a joke or tell a joke or that you could make a song out of, you know, a heart attack. And I was like, you're doing the work. Like, this is the most brilliant example of how this work can help transform you. Um, because she, in real life, made it made it happen. One person said they had less anger with their children. Like, the things that used to anger them and frustrate them, they found humor in it. And it lightened up the mood, which which last year was really helpful when everybody was in each other's space. So, yeah, there's a lot of transformation that happens, and it's definitely different for everybody. Um, but it's all it's all about empowerment and transformation, and claiming our desire and claiming our power. And you take your power back when you do something like tell your story, and when you tell your story and reframe it through the lens of humor, you can make your abusers and oppressors, if you desire, the but of your joke. If you want that to be the punchline, that could be your punchline. And that's powerful to watch. It really is. That's one of the things that I say about this storytelling work, right? Is that what my goal always is with, with women in my community is to teach them how to really stop letting their story hold power over them and show them how to use their story for positive power, right? Not, vic you know, vindictive power. I'm not about that at all, but positive, reaffirming power that, like, as you said, they get to reclaim. They get to reclaim their power. They get to stand in their power. They get to go do big, bold, brave things, as you said, because they are no longer waiting for permission from other people. They've given it to themselves. And it's amazing. Like it's deep stuff, right? It's really important. But people who don't know how to tell their story, they don't, they haven't experienced that. You don't know what's waiting for you until you actually do the work. And the fact that it can be so healing, you know, not only healing these deep, dark traumas that 
we've sort of been referring to throughout this podcast, but, you know, just healing old wounds and, and relationships or releasing people from your life that just need to be released, but they don't have, it doesn't have to be some victimized trauma, but it can just be change and a shift in perspective that you need that allows you to go live life more free. Yes. It's so, so powerful. And one of the things you just said there reminded me of the fact that we're carrying often a lot of inherited trauma and generations of trauma. And we could change that pattern. This is one of the things I learned in my master's work with marriage and family therapy is changing the pattern, changing the system. And we can decide that even though my parents and their parents and their parents and their parents didn't value laughter and humor, or maybe had whatever addictions or whatever it might be, you can choose to change that and change the pattern for yourself and for your children and their grandchildren. So now Jamie, my son, um, who for 49 years saw sad mom or serious mom, <laughs> you know, now I, I've changed my personality uh, for the better and um, the whole house is lighter and this is how he'll remember me. And this is, you know, my, my mark on him and he'll go on to parent differently and so on and so on and so on. So I, I do think it's really powerful and even a, you know, generational sense. Oh, absolutely. So tell us how is your son today now that you've been doing this work with him, you know, long enough to see some changes. Can you give us a report on how he is now? Yes, he still is ill. He still has the same chronic illness. Um, he goes to school about once a week, uh, tops. He's always tired and a lot of times in pain. Um, he's not as sad anymore. He's able to connect with his friends. Thank goodness for Xbox. <laughs> he's able to find things that bring him pleasure. He plays violin. He, you know, pets our dog. He loves faux fur. He, you know, reads comedy books, little joke books, you know, puns. He loves puns. And, um, and we play a family game uh, every night. And he's, and we're able to do that because of this work. So he's definitely in a better emotional state. Interestingly enough, you know, we're still doing the doctors and the hospitals and all the medicine every day. And it's just as gross and just as painful. But the mindset shifted. And that brings not only levity, but, but hope. And so he's talking about college and he's talking about you know what his future might look like and what his house we we walk walk around neighborhoods and we look at houses we say what kind of house would you want to live in we're very you know future thinking forward thinking yes <laughs> um anything i will do anything and i'm glad i'm really blessed that what has worked is also fun <laughs> yeah yeah well i can only imagine that that will continue to feed his sense of hope and have, give him something to look forward to and also give him a lot to laugh about along the way, which I, I just love. I love that. So this has been fascinating. I just love what you're doing so much, obviously with storytelling and the power of storytelling for healing, but this infusion of humor and laughter and comedy and just getting women to like you know, just sort of take off the chains, right? Like just allow themselves to step into something and be silly and irreverent, you know, uh, just all of those things that we've been told our whole lives, don't be that, right? Don't be that, don't be that. And you're giving them permission to go be that, even if in your small little group, you know, on your meetings on Zoom or however you guys are gathering, like even if just for that moment, 
you know, you give them permission, it's allowing them to take off those, the, those chains of bondage. Yeah. We start to talk about how can we feel safe in our body in this container of sisterhood? And then, and then we put on this live virtual, but still live comedy show where, you know, usually 80 or 90 people come and then we're like, Oh, I'm being, I'm seen and heard and known now I'm visible. Okay. Now that's vulnerable, but brave. And then we, and then we take that and we always have a call after the show because I think that transition week is very important after any big event, whether you go to a a retreat or a, you know, or even if it's a big event, like a wedding, like the day after is hard (laughs) and the week after is hard. There's yeah. The letdown. It's like, okay. Vulnerability hangover is what I call it. Absolutely. And it's, and it's, it's exhausting, but so we move through that and then we hold each other accountable for all the things that we, you know, promised we would do for ourselves throughout the program. And, and then there's follow-up and, you know, a graduate group that's fun and they're all friends now. And, um, you know, they have, they have new people to support them and laugh with. So beautiful. Well, you mentioned that ROAR, which is this group group program that you're, you're referencing where you bring these women through this process and you do a comedy show at the end. You mentioned that it is an acronym. Rupture and Rapture are the two, are the two R's that are on the bookend of ROAR. What does the O and the A stand for? R is for rupture. O is for orchestrate. Orchestrate, design your life. What do you want? What do you love? What brings you pleasure? And then A is alchemizing. So it's how can we alchemize our traumas into comedy? How can we alchemize darkness into light, pain to pleasure? And then the R at the end is rapture. Like not just laughter and joy, but feeling really safe in our bodies and grounded and able to speak our radical truths without really worrying about other people's judgments and standing in our power. Oh, I love it. That's so good. Uh, my audience knows that I have an affinity for acronyms. Um, it's one of the little quirks about me. I just love building acronyms all day long. And so I really appreciate that one. And I love that word alchemize. That's a, that's a really good A. That's a really good one. So Pasha, please tell everybody how they can reach you, um, give your website. We'll link it all up in the show notes. What's your favorite place to send people? Where should they go to learn more about you and connect with you? Easy, PashaMarlo.com. It's the benefit of having a weird name. So it's P-A-S-H-A-M-A-R-L-O-W-E.com. And there you'll learn about my one-on-one coaching, the group coaching, including Roar with Laughter and any any public speaking events um, that I can help serve people in, whether it's podcasts or webinars, I'd I love to do that work. Wonderful. And we will definitely link that up in the show notes and um, definitely follow her on social media as well. That's where I watched some of the videos that had me cracking up with laughter that I just really got so intrigued uh, by the work even more after watching some of those videos. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I would just send everybody off today from this podcast episode, encouraging you all to go find the humor in your everyday. Maybe it's cooking spaghetti tonight. Maybe it's picking up your kids from school, which is what I'm about to go do. Maybe it's um, even a heated discussion with your husband or your significant other, right? Or your mom is to find the humor and to roar with laughter in some way, shape or form today. Thank you much for being on the inside story podcast if you enjoyed this episode please share it out give it a review subscribe and we'll be back here with another episode next week see you then
I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget to give it a review and share this broadcast out with your friends and family. Now, did listening to this episode make you think more about your own story? Are you wondering which parts of your own story are relevant to share with others? This is the question I get asked more than any other. How do I share my story? Which parts of my story are worth sharing with other people? How can I make my story relatable so that others can benefit from it? I've taken my simple process that I've used for years as a journalist and broken it down into a three-part storytelling formula that will help you discover the key components of your own story and how to share it. It's a free resource I've created to help you become a light beamer by sharing your story. Simply go to www.lightbeamers.com and click on the big yellow button on the homepage to download your story formula. I'd love to hear your story too. So be sure to join my free community on Facebook, the Light Beamers community, and share your story with me. I can't wait to learn more about you and the story that's inside of you. In the meantime, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you can get notified when our next broadcast is live. You will want to stay tuned to the stories we are lining up for you next. I promise they are so good. As always, Light Beamers, I'm over here cheering for you. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.